The words of God before us this evening are those from Matthew, are these from Matthew chapter 27. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he felt remorse. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders and said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Now he gets it. Now, on Friday morning, Judas suddenly realizes what he's done. Now he recognizes that he has betrayed innocent blood. Didn't Judas know very well before then what he was doing? Jesus had told him the night before in Gethsemane that he was betraying the Son of Man. When Jesus said that, Judas didn't say, no, 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 that's, that's not what I'm doing. I'm, I'm merely procuring a product for a buyer. No. Judas knew very well already in Gethsemane that he was carrying out an act of betrayal. He also knew that he was betraying innocent blood. Three years of being around Jesus had clearly taught him that Jesus was innocent, and innocent to a degree that he was more innocent than anyone else had ever been. That's why when Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas didn't lean into Jesus and say, yes, yes I am, and you deserve it. Some have suggested that Judas had this seeming epiphany first on Friday morning because that's the first time he realized what the consequences would be. Up to that point, some argue, Judas had figured that Jesus would use his almighty power to escape. Jesus would be none the worse for the wear. Judas would have 30 pieces of silver. When Judas saw that wasn't happening, he had his epiphany. He realized he had participated in a betrayal that had not gone as anticipated. That all doesn't seem right, though. Jesus had made it very clear to his disciples on numerous occasions what was going to happen to him. He had told them that he was going up to Jerusalem and he was going there not only to be arrested and sentenced to death, but to die. The other disciples heard what Jesus was saying and they, they understood what the words meant. You might even remember Peter responding to Jesus, telling him, this will never happen to you. Even though the, the other disciples understood what Jesus was prophesying, the details seemed almost impossible to them. And then, when Jesus told them in the upper room on Thursday evening that this would involve one of the twelve betraying him, the whole thing became even more unthinkable for them. Except for Judas. Except for Judas because he had already thought the unthinkable. Of all the disciples, Judas alone could understand how Jesus' words would be fulfilled and how he would play a role in that betrayal. So no, I don't think Judas gained some new insight on Friday morning. Uh, at the, he didn't discover the impact of his actions at dawn that day. Everything that happened 
is what Judas should have expected would happen. And more than that, everything that happened is what Judas was told would happen. Judas knew already on Thursday night that he was planning the sin of betraying innocent blood. And he did it anyway. But in the dawn's early light, the the sin, as sin so often does, looked different. Until then, it looked like the way to get the one thing that Judas wanted more than anything else in the world. Money. Until then, it looked like that would be the way to to get that one thing, the one thing that would make Judas happy, the, the one thing that would, fulfill, would fill that hole in his heart, the emptiness that he felt in his soul, the one thing that would make him complete. We know what it's like to have that, that one thing. It's not always the same thing. It changes depending on the, on the moment, on the situation. Whatever it is at the moment, it's the the one thing. It's the one thing that we need to be happy in the moment. Maybe it's the the one thing that we need to just cope with the situation. Or it's the one thing that we need to do because of something someone said to us or did to us. Or it's the one thing we need to have to, to finally reach that goal. Desires like that don't go away. They just get worse and worse until it's just about all we can think about. And we become convinced that if we just do that one thing, all will be right in our world. And so it soon becomes the only thing in our world. It's the only thing that matters. Getting that one thing that we think we need. And then comes the dawn. Like Judas, we're left standing there, having done what we intended to do, and, and we got exactly what we intended to get. Judas had wanted 30 pieces of silver, and he stood there holding 30 pieces of silver. Even though we, we now have exactly what we thought we needed, we're asking ourselves a question. And the question isn't, what have I done? Because the answer to that is easy. (laughs) I've done exactly what I planned to do. The question is more like, how could I have done this? How could I have done this sin with my eyes wide open? We know we weren't confused about what we were doing or what it would cost or what we would get. If that were the case, if we were confused, then we could tell ourselves that, that we made foolish decisions is based on inexperience or faulty information. No, we knew what we were doing. We knew it was wrong even before we did it, and we did it anyway. We know that makes us bad people. Deep down, even though we can hardly bring ourselves to whisper the words, we know that makes us evil people. And we don't like feeling that way about ourselves. Like Judas, we're filled with remorse, with regret. You've heard the term buyer's remorse. 
That means it refers to anybody who buys something, gets it home, and then wishes that they, they hadn't bought it. That's what Judas had. Although since he was holding 30 pieces of silver in his hand, maybe we had better call that seller's remorse. He had sold Jesus, and now he was remorseful. Wishing he hadn't, but realizing that it was too late. He could give the 30 pieces of silver back, but the Jewish leaders weren't going to give Jesus back. And he probably felt that he had sold his soul. Although the Bible tells us of Judas, Satan entered into him, Satan didn't exactly have to kick the door down. Judas had opened his heart wide to Satan, and now Satan wasn't feeling any remorse. He wasn't going to reverse that deal. It's a terrible feeling when we sin with our eyes wide open, isn't it? Although we may now be seized with remorse every bit as much as Judas was, all the remorse in the world isn't going to turn back time. Even if we're able to give back whatever it was that we received, like Judas gave back the 30 pieces of silver, the remorse remains because the guilt remains. At least we haven't betrayed innocent blood. Haven't we, though? Sometimes we have betrayed somebody who didn't deserve it. We've hurt a friend. We failed to speak up for a coworker or a student, another student, who, who's getting blamed for something they didn't do. Or we've spoken to others in a misleading way, kind of like Judas spoke to Jesus in the garden. Greetings, Rabbi. So yes, I think sometimes we have sinned and we have betrayed innocent blood. But not all the time. And again, every sin is an offense against Jesus and his innocent blood. While Judas sinned against the one that he called Rabbi, you and I sinned sin against the one that we continually and often call our Lord and our King. That is an enormous betrayal. The Bible tells us that Judas was seized with remorse. <clears throat> remorse had such a hold on him that he, that became the one thing, the one thing that he could think about, the, the only thing in his world. Guilt just consumed him. Don't let guilt consume you like that. Don't let it consume you and drive you to despair. Even if your betrayals outnumber Judas's by a hundred, don't let guilt consume you. Because you have someone who has consumed your guilt. Jesus took all of your guilt, your sin, into his body. Peter wrote this, he himself carried our sins in his body on the tree. On the cross, Jesus suffered the wrath of God for those sins and all of the guilt that goes along with those sins. 
Jesus paid a fearsome price to buy us. That's really what the word redeem means, to, to buy back. And his payment was nothing like the paltry price that, that was placed on him. He paid with his precious, innocent blood. The Bible tells us, you were redeemed not with things that pass away, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You'd think that somewhere along the way, Jesus might have had buyer's remorse, especially as he suffered and his death grew near. When he had died, it appeared that that guilt and the, the sin and the death that go along with it had seized and consumed Jesus. But on Easter Sunday, Jesus seized death and soundly defeated it. There will continue to be times when we get it. We, we realize the, the true nature of our sin and the true nature of our utter sinfulness. And it's good for us to realize that. But it's not good for us to let that remorse and that guilt seize us and lead us to despair. We have a Savior who has seized us for his kingdom and for his family, and he will not let us go. Amen.